Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right there. You're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs with me, Giles Bidder. It's the podcast where I speak to bands and artists and try and get some good stories 
from their time playing music. It's a time to reflect on what they've been up to, what they've done, and where they're going, where they're headed. And on today's episode, I'm speaking to Gavin Rossdale of Bush. Since the early 90s, they've been going. They're just about to release their new compilation, Best Of album, Loaded, which comes out tomorrow. I didn't know what quite to expect when I was speaking with Gavin. I've, as long as far back as I can remember, Gavin Rossdale and Bush has been a name I've been hearing in my family and around. Uh, and, and I thought doing this would be, it'd be quite funny to speak with him because he's a star. You know, it's not kind of, it's not the usual conversation that you have with someone who's hosted The Voice or he's been in the light of famous. He's been in LA famous, you know? So, hey, I'm, I'm psyched that he came on. I'm psyched that I got the chance to speak with him. And really, this is me speaking to him as a person who writes songs for his bands, connects with fans, and spends a lot of time thinking about all that stuff. That's at the core of what 101 Part-Time Jobs is about. We're hearing from people, humans of planet Earth, making records, touring the world, and how they make that stuff work for them. So cheers, thank you for listening. If you enjoy this episode, make sure you subscribe. If you can leave a review, that would be amazing. That helps so much on the algorithm and helps me get up the podcast charts. We're a small team here doing something that we think is cool. Thank you so much for being part of it. And I want us to grow together. 2000 Trees Festival in Cheltenham, just a few hours away from London, supports the show. They've just announced their mammoth lineup for next year. The Gaslight Anthem are headlining. Creeper have been announced. Manchester Orchestra, Lambrini Girls, Gouge Away, Hot Mulligan, Boston Manor, The Mysterines. Oh, if you like Bush, you'll love The Mysterines. Loads of great bands at 2000 Trees this year. If you want to go, tickets right now are the cheapest they'll ever be. If you order before the end of the year, you can get a full refund if you find out that you can't in fact make those dates. Money is tight right now for a lot of people. Uh, planning ahead uh, is hard. 2000 Trees are a brilliant independent festival that give the power to the people going. You know, I think they realize they're booking the lineup from what people love. The people running the show are, are very, very welcome to feedback from the people who have gone there in the last few years. 2000 Trees, Get your tickets from 2000trees.co.uk. I've been to 2000 Trees heaps of times and it's such a special feeling there. Look, I know they're helping. I know they're part of the podcast, but I really mean this when I say it. It's one of the best rock festivals I've ever been to and it's completely independent. 2000 Trees Festival. If you're looking for a festival to go to next year, 2000 Trees could be the one. Before we get into this chat, I've got Rebecca from Eka and also Ampolo here. Ampolo is the first all-in-one app connecting a global community of musicians to practice, record and collaborate. And there's some new features coming on there, aren't there, Rebecca? You can start making money as an artist. Other artists can remix your songs. What's going on over there? It's quite exciting. You've heard it here first. But there'll be a place within the app where you as an artist can sell your track and people can get creative with it. So it's a new revenue stream for artists, so it's very exciting. A good thing to do right now is to create a profile, get sharing and be there at the beginning. All right, and Polo, download it now. Here's Gavin Rossdale on 101 Part-Time Jobs. Cheers. Oh. 
Of you know when I was just leaving school and and uh, I wanted to do music. So any job I did, I wanted to be really sure that I literally had no future in it because I didn't want to be valuable. Because <laughs> I thought if I was going to be valuable to anyone, get seduced from the idea of getting a job seemed a nightmare. So all my jobs are part time that I had. I had basically yeah a few different part time jobs um, and. Um, None with any future. The one that had the most future was I did work in a cafe in a Shepherd's Market for a little bit, um, working there. And, you know, and I suppose if I'd got my shit together, I could have I could have made it a sandwich maker because I just made <laughs> coffees and cleaned up and stuff like that. Yeah. It's a lovely little, little, um, little um, I don't know if you know Shepherd's Market area. It's really nice. Yeah. Lovely little oldie worldy, And of course... What was really nice about there is that they had lots of uh, prostitutes there um, in the buildings there. So there'd be like the red lights, the models, all that stuff. So they'd all come. So nothing beats to having a, 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 you know, making a cappuccino for the ladies of the night in the morning. That was always like, felt the frisson of that. And what I used to do as well is I'd take the, um, the pastries home and I'd walk back to my place. So the pastries didn't sell. And I remember there'd be these like bunch of winos um, hanging out on the way home. And one time I dropped all these, uh, you know, like a whole bag of stuff we weren't using. And this guy woke up and he looked at me, he had this special brew, and he looked at me like, you've got four teeth. And he goes, we're dinner, we're drinking, man. We're drinking, man. Did you enjoy it back then? Did you did you feel at home back then? Did you Would you imagine that you would have moved over to the States and the West Coast at that point in your life? No, I literally, I need, I need that because of my kids. I never would have moved here. And in fact, before we um, had kids uh, with my uh, then wife, um, mm. the plan always was to live in London. It was always right. to live in London. And then what happened is as soon as she got pregnant and she wanted to see a doctor, she went to the first meeting with her mum and that was it. Like, we're staying in LA. I was like, right. okay, well, so yeah, I never had any, any intention. I just was back in London last week. Uh, it's difficult. Um, I don't know if I would have, I, I, you know, I miss London a lot. I have all my friends there, my family, my house, everything. So I moved for love like an idiot. And I'm still here now because of my kids. I would never leave them for them. What about music and writing? Did you feel that you were, you, you, you've been writing differently since you moved over? And You know, it's Raina Maria Rilke, right? Letters to a Young Poet talks about how you could you, know, you should be able to write anyway. So my location doesn't change anything. I'm definitely not one of those I, because I you know I write rock music, so I'm hardly one of those ones who you know I wandered lonely as a cloud. I don't need I don't need like a great vista in order to write. You know I must go to Tuscany, else my career is doomed. There'll be no light. There'll be no light. Um, it really worked like that. The early 90s, you know, in, in all the, in a lot of books that are coming out now by people who have lasted this long in music, whether, you know, they're a promoter or a booker or playing a, in a band. The early 90s, especially in West London at that time, seems so, so exciting, so vibrant. It seemed like there were kind of opportunities all the time to, 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 to make something, to create and to build your own world. It was a great time. And my favorite thing about that time compared to now is that it was much less fragmented. And the world was much more connected. So, you know, I just thought, you know, you get a shitty review someone, everybody read it. <laughs> now people right. have, you got a record out. <laughs> you know? Works both ways. That's the difference. So it's a bit sad. I fucking saw this guy. I love him, but what a guy. I saw him the other day. 
He goes, uh, blah, 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 he's doing this and that, doing that. And uh, he goes, you still doing music? It's like, he, he, <laughs> but he can't help it. Like he's a, he's a late forties photographer, goes on the road with the chili peppers. So he's in a bubble just filming this chili peppers and, right. and the strokes. So he's, right. he, he's myopic as it is, but it's just funny how you just like, you have to accept that people just don't know what you're up to for the most part. The only people that really care about rock music will know that I've been touring and bringing out records and doing all that. This guy's a friend of mine, likes me, doesn't know the first thing about that. But <laughs> it's just like, so you miss that common ground that, that you, yeah. you couldn't avoid in the, in the 90s. So that is something that like can potentially follow you around. I mean, I think for you know when you're when you're first writing songs and it's the first album or the second album and you, I imagine a lot of bands are feeling like they, there's there's something to prove. You know, I mean that that feeling of having something to prove or that urge, that tension, I suppose, has has that kept with you? Do you think? Well, the thing is, is that I've had the benefit of so much time doing this that I've known when times have been successful. I know when times when it's been challenging and things haven't worked as well. And it's, it's the biggest revelation. It's funny because doing these interviews over the last few days, whatever, you learn stuff. And, and what I've realized is that it's not like taking it more seriously. It's that I don't think I'm as good as I thought I used to be. So it means I'm, I'm much more careful to rework my songs and rework my, do rework my craft. And um, I think that's definitely to do with the fact that, do you know what I mean? Like, what am I going to make? five more records am i going to make five more records I sing a lot so am i going to make three more records so i don't know so therefore they've got me fucking really really good my standard has to be so high and i've been doing it now recently i've never done it last two yesterday i was working on new songs and i literally took two of the new songs that i really love and when i played them and i i redid the beginning the beginning verse of both songs i've never done that i was like you know what it's just not that fucking good. It's just, it's not. Just fucking redo it. As soon as I did it, I was like, thank God for that. And it's like, I think back in the day when I had no concept about the, the horizon and, oh, look, if you fuck this up, you, no one's going to listen to your record. If you fuck this up, you're not going to get on radio. You fuck this up, you're not going to get the shows. I, I, I wasn't as um, strict with myself. And that, that strict behavior just comes from the fact, well, well look, mate, not be, let's say you're not going to have five more records. So every time you make a record, make sure it's really, really, really high quality. And so that's what's given me this thing that I'm not tailing off. I'm not going to make records where it's like diminishing returns, where by the third album that's kind of diminished returns of excitement, intrigue, interesting lyrics, whatever, whatever you'd say. Mm -hmm. um, it's not going to happen. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go out and fire I'm in flames. Like, the records will be amazing. Like Black Star, you know, Bowie, that, that, that Black Star record was genius. It was one of his favorite records that he's made. Uh, released on a Monday, Friday, birthday of the weekend, died on a Monday, right? Wild, isn't it? I mean, it's so freeing, that record. And I imagine that's a, that's a feeling that we're all trying to pursue. Yeah. right to to be like i just i want to do something that makes me feel fucking good i want to capture that lightning in a bottle feeling every time which which is that's the that's challenging yeah. right that's that that's the but here's a great benchmark you know whenever i'm writing a song and i'm 
in a certain section and I think, am I done on it? I just take any Bowie song, any lyric, mm. fourth verse of a Bowie song, boom, is it as good as that? You know what? <laughs> it's fucking not. So just get this a bit, a bit tastier. So he's a great benchmark for me. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Bush are a band that people will follow across countries. You've got a legacy. Does that make it, does that take the pressure off knowing that you could put out a song that's fine, it's okay. I mean, you know you can tour. I mean, you can have that side of it uh, fine. You know, people are always going to see you live. But in terms of writing, is the is the pressure off there a little bit? No, it, uh, again, it ups the ante. Like, I made that better yesterday, those songs, so that you, so I won't let you down. Like, it would be mm. crushing for me to put out a song that some Bush fans are like, what about the early funny stuff? Let's play that. That's the way we're at. Do you know what I mean? It's like, there's always that mm -hmm. thing. It's no difference what they say about my kids. Oh, do you write these songs about your kids? You know, do, and I was like, it doesn't really work like that. Well, how it works, you know, is they've got big opinions and I just don't want to suck. I want them to, I want to make a record that if any of their friends are playing them at their own school, they can't come into them and say, oh yeah, I heard your dad's record. That's a shame. They really kind of like tailed off, didn't they? Remember when they was? Remember when they were really good? Like that would be the worst. <laughs> It'd be gutting. Yeah, so I mean, I'm more, I, I'm, I know I might lose people. Might say it's too heavy for me, but I don't care about that because that's just like I just mm. it's just it's exciting, exciting to be exciting. But mm -hmm. so if people don't get into that, that I can understand. But in terms of like quality, you know, intrinsic connections to a song, intrinsically uh, uh, lyrics that people connect to, all those factors that I've that have been my weapons of of mass love you know yeah things that yeah. people to like me is that consistency that i've always written the same way you know you can take as 30 years of it's funny because i'm writing lyrics now and it's not like you ever run out of words i used to think when i was younger i was like what if you run out of words what if you like mm -hmm. else to say mm -hmm. you know you dry up the way people talk about that but it's like it's never been like that for me i've always got like funny obtuse things and when i by the way it's been days where I write a pile of shit lyrics and they're no good. I go, oh, well, there'll be, a better, there'll be better ones along tomorrow. You know, just ignore that. Yeah. Use it as a, they're placeholders and they're going to get replaced. Don't sweat it. Mm. And the next day I come in and I just put, you know, much better words on those, on those words. And so everything makes sense. And often it can just be a stepping stone to things. You know? Has that been a journey of coming to that piece? I mean, I imagine... When, you, when you've been doing it for, you know, let's say a decade for the sake of this, and you get to that point, you're like, you know, this is my job, this is what I'm doing, you know, there's this symbiotic relationship of love between us and our fans and, you know, with the songs that I'm writing. Um, does there come to a point where you, where you, you, you have to f try different ways to find that mystery, to put yourself in different environments, to keep pushing it forward? 
Yeah, I mean, all the time I'm trying to sort of make myself uncomfortable and make myself and provoke myself into some reaction that that yields a great lyric. You know what I mean? Like, what what mm-hmm. what's gonna what what's it gonna be? And there's always like a certain phrase that I need to unlock, and I might have to write whole paragraph and then suddenly start to motor when they kind of get rid of the funky no good lines they're just stepping stone into it and um you know i just love that i mean words are magical and uh there's just no end you know i love you know to read good writers good you know non-fiction is really great to read i'm reading the yad when the rolling stone book which is fucking unbelievable and annoyingly he's a very good writer (laughs) I was hoping to like, I was hoping to hate it. The thing I love about biographies, and actually this is a, this is a good one because it was the, uh, he was the editor of Loaded and James Brown, he wrote this book uh, called Animal House and it's his autobiography of, of becoming a journalist and then making Loaded his magazine. And the, I realized after reading that, I felt so galvanized. I was so psyched to create and make something, including this podcast, because I thought, and I realized in that moment, I was like, these autobiographies and these non-fictions, they are kind of proof of concept yeah. of other people's. And that is a very fucking powerful thing. Yeah. Well, it means you're alive. It's just sort of validation. It's just fun to be creative and fun to make things. And, you know, my, he, you know I'd like to read that book, actually. I mean, another one I, re- I read recently was the Matthew McConaughey book, and he took this mad trip to India or Asia and then South America. Have you taken sort of inspirational trips? Is that something that's on your radar as well as as well as reading? You know, it's I, I need to be better on that. I, I, I should have done that more of that. I said many times about how even in my downtime away from Bush, you know, I wasn't doing going on the spiritual odysseys. I was just trying to write songs and I was annoyingly I, I was an idiot I should have been I should have gone to live in Bali for a year I should have done this and that but I was always you know at that point I had a you know you know I was in a relationship so mm-hmm. I think I was married a lot of the time so it's like yeah no I've never done that like when I had all the time in the world and no money I didn't travel and now it's weird because I don't take enough vacations. The only, I've never taken a vacation, for example, without my kids. But I haven't had them for seven years. I've just had them half the time. I should have gone with my girlfriend on a couple of like really fucking, I'm just, mm-hmm. just stuck in always, mm-hmm. always working, always creating, always pushing forward and that. Um, so no, I've made mistakes on that. I should have, should have done that more. I should and I will. I mean, I'm bad with it. Quite often I'll be doing things and my girlfriend will be like, you haven't even thought about something for us, you know? And, and that's kind of one example. Like, I think there is the, the you, you just power, you power, we, especially now with life moves so quicker and you know it, it moves quicker and quicker, it feels like. And so to put these kinds of things in your diary, these kind of reminders to do something. Um, yeah, that's, that's the good help of an online calendar. We've, we've just got sort of five or 10 minutes left, Gavin, but I just wanted to ask, you know, what do you think? Oh, this is a big old fucking question, I think. So feel free to tell me to, to do one. But I mean, with this, with this greatest hits record loaded, there must've been some time of reflection. I mean, one thing I love to hear about artists and you don't get it all the time in, in other magazines or other radio shows all the time, but the kind of le- the biggest lessons that you've learned, you know, the biggest kind of, you know, maybe it was like a small, fairly innocuous thing that happened, 
but it kind of reframed the way you see writing songs or Bush or everything you're doing. I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit, but you know, when I say that, are, are there any particular times over the last 28 years that have, that you really think of the, the turning point in, in your life of writing songs? I mean, I've given my entire life to it. I've given my entire life. Like when I'm dead and gone, that's like my, that's outside of my children. That's my legacy. And, um, I remember walking to work after I lost that first distribution deal and I was, I have the image of a, of a double-decker bus for some reason on, down there in the West End next to where I was painting. And I just, I just remember thinking that it's all about the legacy for some reason. So I think I, I wanted to make a, a legacy to me was if I was going to devote my life to being a writer of songs then every time I made a record, it would be a, a, a legacy. Um, mm. In terms of turning points, I think it's, it's weird because it's just that slow, applied tourniquet that I've had on myself that I've just meant that every great word I'm forced to write down or to remember every great turn of phrase, I'm a servant to the art of songwriting. Um, every fucking thing that I like, I make notes of, um, <laughs> and and I have all these. Um, so it's just a sort of lifelong obsession with books that I've read and with side notes of phrases I liked. So mm. as opposed to, I'm just trying to get to the point of it's not um, a, a penny dropping kind of seismic moment. It's it's a steady applied pressure of how I define myself and when I don't write songs and I don't apply myself and I don't write things I start to feel um, vocationally unclean and vocationally fraudulent that I'm not actually uh, oh you're having a nice time doing this and that A, B and C but have you done have you applied yourself I, I got this wonderful lesson from a friend of mine's dad, Leslie Brickers, back in the day. And I got advice off two of my two friends' dads. Leslie Brickers' advice. He wrote, he's a lyricist, and he wrote the, but, but, goody day. So he wrote the, uh, the uh, um, you know, Roald Dahl um, wow. lyrics for that, for um, the um, Charlie Chocolate Factory. And um, he had this thing where he lived, I met him, he lived either in a house in Acapulco in the January, then he'd live in, in London for uh, the spring, south of France, uh, above the Column d'Or for the summer. And then the winter, then, then they'd come to LA. And so I'd never met people who did this, uh, do you know, like the jet set. We call us growing up mm. to the jet set. It's like, mm. starred, starred, the fucking brilliant. I never went there. I wasn't in the jet. So I just knew that existed. It's all people, rich people in like ski suits. They weren't going skiing. And um, <laughs> so he said to me, and it, where I'd see him, so I'd see sometimes I'd be, if I was south of France, I was there, I'd see him because I knew his son. Every morning he'd write from nine to 12 every day, right? 
then go off and he'd take his wife to the fucking beautiful luncheon in the south of France or LA or whatever. Go to drink Chateau Lafitte with his friends up in, in Bel Air. And he taught me that big lesson. And then this other friend of mine's dad told me, said to us when we were kids and just taking drugs and going out to clubs, oh, we want to be musicians. And he goes, don't forget that Tim Pan Alley, they're open nine to five, five days a week. That's what they do. So those two bits of advice, my friend's fathers, just, I never got advice. My dad was a very hands-off dad. So mm-hmm. that's the only real advice I got in my life. The rest is feral. That's the only two pieces of advice I was given and I took. Yeah. And I took them to heart. And what that meant was this is an incremental daily practice. And obviously there are days I don't do it, but it just means that sewage builds up, unclean, I'm not being myself. I'm not fulfilling, fulfilling my vocation. I'm being lazy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sort of, do you know, there's people, life owes me a living. You know, I've never mm-hmm. been that. You know, I don't come from a poor family, a rich family. I was provided for. I had a roof and I had food, but there's no money. I didn't go, you know, didn't get, get money to, 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 to buy stuff. So I'm completely self-made. And I think when you're self-made, you know, you know, you want to you want to you keep the fires burning, but creatively, that's been my my life. And so there's no be no. Fugazi spoke about a steady diet of nothing. For me, steady diet of um, apply yourself to what what your 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 work is. You know, and that's yeah. that's my opposite of what any seismic watershed moments. Just that steady push. That's brilliant imagery. Thanks so much, Gavin. I mean, I think, especially now, when I, you know, I'm in my in my sort of in my schooling, there was this idea, you know, people were going off to Australia and South America and all this thing, this kind of idea that you could do everything. That, that's got, put a lot of pressure, I think, on a lot of people today. You know, this, and so I, the pressure being, well, I need to choose one thing to do. I guess you try and hope that you lean into various things that you enjoy and then those things make themselves become apparent. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's really tricky. And it was a big dilemma for me of how to, what, what to do with my life. And I don't know why I had this like blind arrogance to assume that I could write songs and have a life doing this because the best part about it is that I was so ignorant. I didn't know that there was a potential. I just pushed push forward you know it's so brilliant it's like the it's the embodiment of youth pushing forward to a place that I didn't even know existed it's fucking Kafka it's amazing awesome Gavin thank you so much for your time I yeah. really appreciate it thanks a lot nice one all best have a good day so there was Gavin Rossdale from Bush here on 101 part-time jobs loaded their best of is coming out tomorrow thank you for listening to this chat if you've enjoyed it please subscribe to the show we've got some great guests coming up always if you leave a review or rate it on apple or spotify wherever you're listening to this that would be massively appreciated thank you for any of you who are able to do that i'll see you soon
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts, or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.